The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Any believer's life will go epic when they discover the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining our podcast today as we unfold more of the truths of who you are in Christ. Going epic. We have been going through lots of little epic topics in regard to the epic life of Jesus Christ. As our listeners know, if you've been following the series, I'm just having fun with this word. To find out how trending the word is still, and it's still at the top of the pile. And I know that has a lot to do with Deadpool and whatever other superheroes that are out there making billions of dollars. But the true epicness of true life is Jesus Christ. There's nothing that even comes close. It's imperative that we differentiate between spiritual, which is the spirit, and psychological, which is the soul, which is the mind-willing emotions, or we will never understand the spiritual realities. Now, earlier, before we came online with our podcast, we were talking about the manifestations of the spirit. If you do not understand that there's a different part of you that is spirit, Now, you may have the theology down, but if you experientially do not understand this, you will not have manifestations. The thing is with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that is inside, stay with me, listener. Just picture in your mind for a moment. You're standing in front of the throne of God. God is sitting on His throne. Jesus is at his right side. The very life-giving, life-breathing element of God, which is where power comes from, is his Holy Spirit that lives inside God. He gave that to Jesus Christ, his Son. So that Holy Spirit lives inside Jesus Christ, which gives him power. And that's why the song we just sang about having power and strength, it comes from the Spirit. And then he took that Spirit and Jesus as a gift, because it was a gift to him, put it inside into all believers. So the very Spirit inside the bride, you and I, if you're indwelled, and inside Jesus Christ is what is inside God. So if you don't understand that there's a distinct separation here between soul and spirit, you won't have the manifestation of power in your life. I get text messages, phone calls, 
and emails every day from people who know the exchange life but deny the power thereof it. That's why. If you truly experience the manifestation of the power and presence of the living God inside you, you immediately go to your physical knees or spiritual knees. You separate yourself instantly from God, no Godship. So someone who gets caught up in, oh, this is me, it's not the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there are spiritual leaders all over the world that can muster up a replica of the Holy Spirit inside of a room. Every day, all day long, all over the world. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about experiences where you're worshiping the Lord, and those of you who love to worship the Lord, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to open your eyes and look down and see if your feet are still on the floor. You are so caught up in the presence of God. You have to do a reality check. See, it's God's reality. You have entered into God's reality, where faith brings things unseen into the human seen world. That's what this is. It never, never participate in the practical aspects of Christ's rest and actions from within is because Christ's spirit is the same spirit living in us and the Holy Spirit is always at rest. It's not never anxious. It's always waiting, waiting, waiting for the command. Now, We've already had messages on authority. But let's just pretend again here that you have such an acute understanding of authority on marching orders that you're always in waiting, waiting for the next order. Because you know you're going to be so incredibly overwhelmed with obedience. To carry it out for that master. That's our role. Can you imagine if marriages and humanity today. Where the wives were, were literally reflecting the role of the Holy Spirit. And constantly in waiting for their husband's command. No that's too Muslim. Really? Where do you think they got it? That's how the bride of Christ is supposed to be. It's just willing, waiting, passionately wanting to carry out a commandment for Jesus to say, pick up your pen. Yes, sir. What do you want me to write? You see, that level of dependence where you are so incredibly wrapped up in the spirit and presence and power of Jesus Christ, Christ in you, that you're just waiting. For him to say something. That's the kind of life we actually are given to live. We, if you want to come up with a human fear. Whether you are a young person and you're scared to death to raise your hand in worship. You're scared to death to dance a little bit. But your body and your mind is saying Dance a little. Fear. 
of looking stupid. That's what it is. You see, I don't care how I look. I want to leave this reality and enter the presence of God and just let him have it. If I dance a little, I dance a little. If I, whatever, just let's go. Because, listener, listen very carefully. And those of you who have experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's when the commands come out. When you're there, when you're in that reality, that's when the Spirit says, do this now. You have entered a different reality. And fear blocks people from actually experiencing God's reality. Now, 1 Thessalonians, famous verse, first trichotomous. Now, I have no clue how the enemy cleverly worked a complete model of theology of dichotomy. I don't know how he did it. Because there is no logic to it. There's no human logic to it, let alone spiritual reality logic, God's logic. But he did. It is the number one theological position on supposedly the manifestation of God in your life. You see, it's not a big deal to most of you listeners. Honestly, there is scripture that actually says we are as dumb sheep being led to a slaughter. If you're not being blessed with this manifestation of leadership and a calling, a higher calling to lead a flock, it's called pastoring, ministerial leader, whatever the case may be, you just follow whatever whatever you're hearing in church. You just follow it. You just start quoting it. I had a gentleman who has been connected to the exchange life for a very long time, and he came up with some questions that he wanted to basically prove to me. Now get this. This is theology gone bad. He said, could it be, could it be that unsaved people, that after they die, that their spirit goes back to God, and it's only their soul that is tortured in hell? You see, that's not going to phase most of our listeners. Because their mind can't even wrap, wrap around the question. But what he is confessing is the end means of dichotomy. And I have known this gentleman for many years. And I said, what has happened to your mind? Four hours of silence. Finally came back with, I started to follow a gentleman by the name of blah, blah, blah. And that's what he has taught me for the past five years. Drop him. Now. Go back to your roots. You see, we are dumb sheep. I don't care how long you've been studying good doctrines. It's easy to take a vulnerable mind and just... 
drift them, move them, shift them away from sound doctrines. Satan hates you. And the only thing he has going for him is God's doctrines. But you see, if you're a listener who had a solid handle on biblical sound doctrines and something happened to you because of some radio preacher or some book you read or whatever, whoever the case may be, you can be untwisted and the only thing that can untwist you is to hear precise truth that is clear and it is healing. And that mind of yours is still white. It's still clean. And it can be used to be written on to tell a story that people can read all over the world. You are the only book that most people are ever going to read. We are on number 121 of Identity Matters for Eternity. We've been doing this beautiful series called True Grace. They're all in numbers. So if you want to go back to that podcast, just scroll down and look at it. There's over 800 messages there for you. Under topics of marriage, parenting, spiritual warfare, we have tons of resources available to you. We've been in a sub-series under True Grace called Going Epic. All we're doing is making use of a very popular trending word so we can pop up first before other deceptive things pop up. So we're just taking advantage of technology and how it works. And by the way, it's working. It's working quite well. Today's message is called Spirit, Soul, and Body Rest. So let's take a look at some of the details. I cannot overemphasize how important it is for an indwelt Christian to understand the difference between spiritual, spirit, and functioning psychologically or soul, mind, will, and emotions. Without this distinction, the believer's life will remain unclear. When spirit and soul and body are noted, this has often been called the trichotomous understanding of man's design. Now I look at a little guy like Evan, and if I start using the terminology trichotomy and dichotomy, those are huge terms with those who study the word, to give it to someone else. It's a big deal. And if you train a child up in the way that he should go, there's something miraculous that happens that comes with a promise. For when he gets old, he will not depart from it. So don't assume because of some terms are being used that you don't quite understand. I say, so what? I'm going to use them anyway. Because it's the Spirit's job to bring the reality of terminology, the reality of meanings, to come alive in your soul. And that can start as old enough to have your ears hear. 
those who have ears to hear, let them listen. But see, there's some of you listening right now, you are bored stiff. Truth has nothing in you to arouse. I could be driving down the freeway and listen to some preacher I don't even know who's speaking the truth. And I get flutters inside my soul. Something's happening. It's like the spirit is communicating with itself in that teacher who probably recorded that God only knows how much earlier. It has no barriers. It cannot be stopped. Is when the spirit of truth bears witness with the spirit of truth, something happens inside the person's mind, will, and emotions. And if it doesn't, you better ask yourself some serious questions. Am I living off of a fake Christianity? Maybe. Trichotomous means cut in three, meaning three parts. Even though it is difficult to imagine that man has three parts, because a human being is designed to function as a whole. So as you're walking around every day, you your mind is designed to pull everything together like you're one. You don't walk down the sidewalk going, oh, those are my nerves moving. That's my brain, my left side of my brain. You, you'd be nuts before you, you got to the grocery store. At least look that way. So your mind is designed to pull it all together as a one unit. Your nerves, your blood, your white cells, your, you know, it is designed to just pull it all together and just function. Why would it be different? Seriously, why would it be different with the trichotomy of our design? Why would it be any different than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And they're walking down the sidewalk. Why would it be different? You think Jesus is going, oh, that's the spirit of me moving now. Okay. Oh, that's God. That's my father. We'd look like spazoids. God would look like a spazoid. That's not how it works. It's, it functions as one. There's one behavioral response from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, every decision. Just like your body, just like your soul, just like your spirit. No different. And to somehow come up with dichotomy, that is weird to me. That just doesn't even have logic to me. I never, ever, since the day of my salvation, could understand people that believe in dichotomy. In a human cell, it's three parts. The brain has got three main parts. Left, right, brain, and the cortex. Everything's done in threes, and all of a sudden, Satan comes in with this cute little theology called dichotomy. I think I'm going to put the emphasis on die. And that's why we got to take a look at it. Even though it is difficult to imagine, 
because we function as a whole, we still must know that man functions on three levels, spiritual, psychological, and physical. To differentiate the spiritual and psychological function of man is not to accept to cut man into, into separate parts, but it is necessary to understand the distinction of all three parts. Someone please read for us 1 Thessalonians 5.19-24. through 24. Those of you who are online, there's a little icon on the podcast, red box with a white cross in it. If you click on that, you'll actually have this particular scripture open up to you so you can read it as you continue to uh, listen to the podcast. What does it look like to quench the spirit? That's what it is. Every time the spirit opens its mouth to speak or ask you to do something, if you think Jesus is going to show up in your bedroom tonight in physical form and tell you what what you need to do the next day, could happen. But that probably is not going to happen tonight. Because he put the Spirit there to speak out the mandate. So squelching the Holy Spirit is shushing him. And the unusual thing about it is the Spirit will never overtalk you. Never. He will let you go into your 90s fleshing out, hearing your own voice, being indwelt, and you dying, you're laying there on your deathbed, and you're saying to your spouse, I have never heard God speak to me. And they're indwelt. Because they shushed the Holy Spirit their entire life as a believer. There's a reason why it's easy to do that. Spiritual oneness equals rest. The spiritual oneness, as I'm going to be using the term here, is not an objective acknowledgement of positional truth, of identification with Jesus. When he was crucified, buried, and rose again, and descended, but rather positional truth that becomes conditional truth. Here's our miracle. Most of us keep it on on what I read to you on the top part. You don't argue with the fact that we have co-death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension with Jesus Christ. We don't. But see, to take positional truth, you can read Colossians 3.3. Therefore, I am seated at the right hand of God in Christ. And you can say, I accept that as truth. But see, it's not conditional truth yet. It's not affecting your condition, your function. So most believers are very, very comfortable with keeping it as positional truth. 
Therefore, they can explain the exchanged life their entire adult life. But all it takes is to see one little deceiving teacher to come along and take that beautiful piece of white paper that God gave you as a gift called new life and just twist your mind up to the point you have no clue how to explain to me what conditional truth is. That's why grace is liberal and grace is gone gracelistic. Everything is okay under grace because that gracelistic person can no longer explain to me the conditions. So it's hot air to me. I'm sorry some of you great grace teachers who have written great books. When I talk to you, that's when I'm bored. Because you don't understand the conditions of salvation. The conditions of living it. There's conditions. There's functional conditions of truth. The enemy is evaporating that peace of the truth. This is due to the fact that when he died, we died. That when he was buried, we were buried. That when he was raised, we rose with him. And that when he ascended, we ascended with him and in him. And when he was placed at the right hand of the Father, we were placed at the right hand of the Father. So Colossians 3.3 is alive. It's real today. It can become conditioned for us. This is what makes us one with him. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is placed inside the bride. That makes us part of the trichotomy of the living God. You know how special you are that you are called the bride of the greatest, most epic husband of the universe? You're his bride. You're his one flesh. You're his one spirit. You're his one soul. The mind of Christ is now in you, ready to go conditional ready to be manifested, ready to show you a miracle, ready to speak to you as you worship, ready to speak to you in your dreams, ready to speak to you when you're awake. He's ready. But if you're one of those controlling wives, then you'll never let your husband speak. Because you can only be taught by your own flesh. Jesus will respect that decision. You'll live together separately. Until you burn in Christ. Bummer. That is what it means. Can't have oneness. Without the oneness of his death. His burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his position 
Now we can go condition. It's a beautiful story. So rest cannot inhabit us without death, without bearing the anxious old self, without being resurrected into our new self, and then being placed at the right hand. Baba. That's the only place I'm afraid that we're going to find rest. Is in Abba. I mean, seriously. Unrest is, I can't control this. Is it not? Whether you're in an argument, whether you're getting ready to lose your job, whether unrest is, I, I, I can't change this, I can't control this. Well, when God is the master controller of everything, there's no anxiety in him. There's no unrest. So if you truly believe in the sovereignty of God, you'll rest when you get up tomorrow morning. But if you're a positional believer, oh, you'll quote the verses that God is sovereign. And then about uh, 10 in the morning, you'll start getting anxious. That's called hypocrisy. You see, that's called being positional. But you can't bring it conditional, functional. That's why there's a problem in truly identifying with the true triune of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is spiritual oneness. So spiritual oneness is the spiritual condition of every indwelt Christian. They are the Christ one. They are, we are the ones that have been united in Christ through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension and placed at the right hand of the creator of our triune of man. Accepting God's grace, which is a person, his son, by his faith, not my faith. You see, when we pray prayers like, God, give me more faith. Or if we pray prayers like, God, give me patience. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to carve out chunks of him and feed you like a dog. I don't want chunks of Jesus. I want all of him. And that all of him was given to me as a gift and given to you as a gift upon my salvation, your salvation. You have the fullness of his glory right now. It is all ready to be released conditionally in your life. Walk on water? Why not? Raise a dead person? Why not? Speak in tongues? Why not? I mean, why not? But for me to try to use those manifestations to prove I have a special relationship with Jesus, it's idolatry. It's just, why not? What, what do you want, Lord? Why not? I'm here. Use me. It's an understanding of what they've got going on together. And I got invited into that? Why not? The big questions 
become this? Are you an indwelled Christian? Good question. Have you received the Spirit of Christ into your mortal being? Which becomes the great exchange. Now this other person that I heard from this week wanted to know, well, what really happens to the spirit? This Adamic spirit you're talking about. See, now that is an awesome question. I was a little startled that the simplicity of Romans 6.6 was not alive in this mature Christian. But what does it say in Romans 6.6? For the old self has been crucified. The Greek for old self is Adamic spirit, fallen nature. Those of you who have NIV Bibles, they still use that word nature. Call it what you want. But the truth of the matter is, it got crucified. That means it's dead. It's not going to go on and be with God after you die as an unbeliever. You're not going to have to wrestle with it as the NIV theologians tell me it's the white dog and the black dog wrestling all day long. When the scripture says, for my flesh wages war with my spirit, my spirit wages war with my flesh, that is spirit of the living God in my soul, mind, will, and emotions, my body. The spirit came from an exchange. He took, he unplugged the old nature, the old spirit, and crucified him. And he came in and rested and positioned himself as your third part. So it is the spirit of the living God in me that is my spirit. It isn't, it isn't some kind of addition to me. It is a replacement. It's an exchange. And it lives inside me. And it does war with my mind, will, and emotions in my body. It will until I die. Because there's sin inside the mortal body. Hard to understand? Yeah, probably impossible without the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. So it is this positional truth that grants you the conditional truth of receiving the same inheritance that Jesus has given. Add that up. Everything promised to Jesus as a bridal gift he gave to you. The biggest part of that is the Father's identity. So here's our diagram you're fairly familiar with. This is me when I was in Adam. Whatever you're in is what is your identity. It's what you identify with. So my identity was Adamic. Whatever happened to Adam is what I am going to conditionally walk out. Then upon my salvation, I was transferred into the life of Christ. The old things 
are passed away. They're written on the walls of the tomb, the cave. And every once in a while I get drugged into that cave and the enemy tries to deceive me to think I am those things. I have to be brought to the point every single time of saying, liar, liar, pants on fire. Eternally, he'll be on fire. I am given a brand new past. So as I'm standing here, looking in the rearview mirror, I'm not seeing Steve Finney anymore. I'm not seeing Steve Finney's past anymore. You see, that would have to be up here for me to see his past. I'm here looking in the rearview mirror, and I am seeing Jesus Christ on the cross, dying on the cross, being buried, being raised from the dead, and being seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven. That's what I'm seeing. So that is how, by faith, you can believe these truths, because it's in the Bible. You have been crucified with Christ. How's that possible? It's because when I got put in Christ's life, I got a brand new rear view view. I see this. My cross and his cross. Now to bring that conditional. Yeah, that's probably a big deal, Satan. Now, you can believe this all day long and write your fancy books about it, but I'm never going to let you believe it. I'm here to tell you, unless you look in the rearview mirror and see Christ's life, his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension and placement at his Father's side, if you do not see that when you look in your past, then you are a positional indwelt Christian. Not conditional. It's a double-sided coin. Position, condition. Position, condition. You need them both. Or you'll go to your grave having a beautiful intellectual understanding of the exchange life. If there are some people out there, and there are, that have somehow used this theology to think that they are Christ. Do you see what a short walk in the park this is? That I'm in Christ, Christ is in me, I have the mind of Christ, I have a new past. I have. Do you see what the enemy can do with that? Where, oh, I can get that person to start functioning as Christ. You see, when Satan comes and he reveals, opens his chest, and reveals who he really is, that moment that he does that is going to completely seal the minds of the people and it will cement their eternal condemnation forever and ever. Now you would think, oh, well, when he reveals himself, there's going to be tons of salvations. Wouldn't you think that would be the case of some people going, that's who he is? He believes, he, he really believes he's Jesus Christ? How could that happen to a being that he would actually 
believe he is the Christ. Very easy. So that would be blasphemy for us to think that we're Christ. He's my husband for Pete's sake. That's Peter from. He's my husband. You see, a husband and wife are one, are they not? Whether they understand that theology or not, they're one. But are they separate? Of course they are. Should they function separate? No. But they do because we're human and we have our mind, they have their mind. And so the whole working out your marriage is working out your salvation in triunity. God knows that. Didn't expect you to be conditionally like his son every day. It's just working out your salvation. Just, just know when God speaks to me saying, Stephen, you know who you are in me. You know who you are in my son, and who my son is is who I am. And you know this, don't you? Yes, Lord, I do. Then let it go. See, there's no lecturing. There's no punishment. Just let it go. And it will work it out. That's why it can be done even from a restful position. The dichotomists do tend to view this as a contract relationship. I got saved, I signed on. When I got saved, he signed on with me, and it's a contract relationship. It is far more, obviously, that. Here's our identity matters statement. One of the more important biblical verses that refers to spiritual oneness is, of course, 1 Corinthians 6.17, where Paul states the one who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The context of the previous verse is a quotation from Genesis 2.24, which refers to God's intent in the marital union as a man and a woman become one flesh in marriage. The one flesh union of a husband and wife in marriage and the one spirit union of Christ in the indwelt Christian are interrelational unions wherein neither party is diminished or denied in the union, in the relationship, even though they're two but yet they're one. So anyone that has a healthy, godly, righteous marriage does not mean you have a conditional perfect marriage. It means you got your theology right. You see, when, when Dennis Rainey asked Jane and I to son, sign this marriage commitment certificate, on there we were supposed to put for we will never entertain the idea of divorce. Then girls had to sign it. We took that as a very serious homework assignment. I use it to this very day in every marriage counseling session I am. Seven commitments on that certificate. You say you just... 
pray over that. There's no signing today. But as I disciple you in marriage counseling, you need to understand it'll be those seven things I'll work out in your marriage. If you can't go with those, don't come back. You need to go to someone who doesn't make a big deal about the covenant. Because this is where I get my doctrines. Jesus said to me, I'll just do this personally, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never divorce you. You see, that promise is a certificate. That's what's on the contract, dichotomous. That's my contract. He will never divorce you, Stephen. He will never forsake you, Stephen. He will be there through death and life. This is my covenant, my new covenant to you. You are sealed in the tri-unit trichotomy of the living God. Why would I go back on that? You see, therefore, my mindset is, Honey, I don't know what we're going through, but we got to work it out. Now, if there's a listener listening right now and you've been through a divorce, even though the average number of divorces in the United States of America, those of you who are listening overseas, is now short of five. When Janie and I started teaching the marriage covenant principles, the average divorce rate was one. And now we're pushing five. There's only one step after that, listener, to dissolve the marriage institute because it's ridiculous to spend all that money on divorces. It's ridiculous. Let's go with common law marriages. That's Satan taking that certificate away so there is no tool of measurement of understanding our marriage with trichotomy. It's over. Listener, mark this day in your Bible. The day Satan takes marriage off of this earth is the day you're going to see my groom show up. He will not tolerate the enemy taking away the institution of marriage. Because if he does, it will take away the triune doctrines of trichotomy. I am in Christ. I am in the Trinity by marriage. 602-292-2982. You see, there is nothing more important in the contract of marriage. And if you've gone through a divorce or two, so, I'm sorry, but just pick up reality today. If you're on your second, third, fourth wife, husband, okay, embrace the truth and say, I want to teach my grandchildren the strict, conditional truths of being trichotomy. Teach your grandchildren, don't do as I did. Do as he is. You see, 
The goal should be resealing the authentic original truths, not somehow letting it slide by without having to deal with it. I just lost most of my listeners. I am so conservative in Christ Jesus on the doctrines of trichotomy, it's ridiculous. This is where it's at. That's it. Everything I need to know of eternity is in that trichotomy, that triunit. To know that as a bridal member, you and I are there. We're buying into lies of divorcing our spouses, suing the daylights out of them. Coming up with these cheap, twisted doctrines of our spirit goes back to God after our dead souls go to hell. Where does this stuff come from? How's Satan sound? You see, he hates this trichotomy. He can't bust through it. He's tried over and over to bust through the triune of God. He can't do it. He's angry, and he knows if he can remove, let go of that contract. If you could just get that contract out of your hands, human contract of marriage, that sooner or later, you'll think God will leave you and forsake you. You'll adopt a universal Christian love. Send you straight to hell. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the truth will be accepted in the hearts and minds of those who you've called to receive it. Now I ask, Father God, that your perfect triune, trichotomy, trinity, whatever you want to call it, we accept those terms as you define it. You, God, are one with yourself. You're one with Jesus, your son. You're one with the Holy Spirit, which is the, the very Holy Spirit that lives inside you. Which is the very Holy Spirit that lives inside us. That makes us one with you. Certainly one with you, Jesus. May these positional truths become conditional for all of us. Functional. Behavioral. True to life. Our reality still here. I pray all this in the name and power and authority of Jesus Christ. You are our husband, first. Friend, second. And third is above all of what our minds could even comprehend. You are God. So we just thank you in, in your holy name and we just pray that the enemy cannot steal or destroy the truth that you placed upon the minds of the people that were supposed to hear. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.